This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 888-699-9395 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. All right, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. Um, You know, I started this podcast because, you know, like when I got clean, I listened to Matt's speaker tapes. So when I first got clean, this guy, Steve, crazy guy, he just like saw me in a meeting, saw that I was totally lost, and he handed me a CD of speaker tapes. And I used to listen to these speaker tapes constantly. I listened to probably 50 speaker tapes from this one CD by the time I had like four or five months clean. And it was totally different than going to meetings. Cause when I would go to the meetings, one, I would go to like a newcomer meeting, you know, the most right. clean time there was like three years. Some old timer might come in with like 10 years or whatever. But when I listened to these speaker tapes, I was listening to people with 30 years clean, 28 years clean, 40 years clean, even people with 50 years clean, you know? And not just were they clean a long time, they were also chosen to speak at conventions that were like people that were super gifted at speaking. Because not everyone's a great speaker, you know? Right. And I heard all these crazy stories, bro. I heard this kid got clean at 15. This guy was like 20 years clean. And this is in 2008. So this guy got clean like in 1990, you know? It changed my recovery, bro, because I was just able to absorb so much information so quick. Whereas to just going to meetings and trying to hear speakers, a lot of people didn't have the knowledge that someone has at 20 something years clean. Right. And then when I wasn't at meetings, like what was I gonna do? It gave me something to listen to. And then throughout the years, speaker tapes has kind of died. One, they're not tapes anymore. Two, no one even listens to CDs anymore. Mm. Three, there's no real platform for like recovery, speaker tapes or whatever. And four, as I've stayed clean longer, like yeah, I go to meetings and I'm still into like the 12 step program. But um, this is also, across the board for anybody who's experienced anything in their life that can, you know, have hope for someone else. And I also think a lot of uh, recovery podcasts are mad corny. Like whenever I listen to these like recovery podcasts, I'm just like, oh, it makes me want to throw up. You know, it's just like not raw and real and just the people that host them aren't even really in recovery. They're just like recovery advocates or some shit. Right. Anyways, I got my boy Andre here. Um, You know, I've seen you get clean. 
seen your whole you know story since you first got here i've had you speak for me a couple times bro and right. you always kill it so let's just start with your story man like uh where you from how you grew up all that yeah well so my name's andre of course i'm an addict in recovery my family is primarily jamaican so of course i was born there didn't spend many years there you know i came here at a very young age but in my childhood, mm -hmm. as I could say, like, uh, I experienced a lot of stuff. My family, I can't say my family um, is poor or anything like that. Um, we're wealthy off. But um, in the early 90s in Jamaica, it was a pretty rough place. And I do have family that live in the ghettos. And, you know, somewhat after school, I would go to their houses. And, you know, if my mother was busy... Or, you know, my grandparents were in America or wherever they were. I would spend time with family. And as a kid, I experienced, like, a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, being at my uncle's house and just hearing gunshots ringing out. Guy hopping over the fence. Guts hanging out. You know, seeing men run to the hospital with their stomach falling out of them. Even experiencing um, wars. They're called tribal wars down there, you know, people getting chopped. You know, I had a young friend when I, he was a little bit older than I was. I think I was like four or five at the time. Remember him, you know, his head getting chopped in half at a young age. So huh. at, at a young age, I experienced a lot of a lot of violence, you know, even. And like and this is like the 90s. Yeah. Early 90s. Wow. So, I, you know, I experienced a lot with violence in another country. So. At a young age. So, yeah. like, I'm not well-versed in, like, uh, stuff like that. So it would be, like, basically two tribes that are, are beefing or whatever, and one would come into the village with... Pretty much, with, yeah. Uh, axes or swords right. or whatever, uh, a machete, and just right. chop anybody. Yep, shooting, all that type of stuff, man. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, man. Like, when I moved to America, uh, I came over here when I was uh, six years old. My father and my mom separated. So then in 10, my father lived in Maryland, and my mother lived in Virginia. So it was the first type of um, separation anxiety that I had or, you know, abandonment. Mm -hmm. I don't really speak about it much, but when my mother left, like, you know what I mean? I was very depressed, very sad at a young age, even though I always loved my father. Uh, he wasn't a very per understanding person, but I could say he's changed now. Um, he worked a lot at the time. It was like, dad's always gone. He has no time for us. But in the grand scheme of things, like as me being a father now, I see why he did what he did. So I didn't, in the long run, I would be mm -hmm. better off in life. But at that point, my, you know, a child, like you're like, dad doesn't care, but he did. But then, you know, I live with, now had a stepmother and uh, a younger brother. You know, I, I have five brothers. So um, what I had um, me, my brother, Andino, I know he doesn't mind me saying his name, mm -hmm. and my younger brother, Brandon, lived with us at the time. And um, I can't say I had a bad life, you know. Cause, this is in Maryland? Yeah, this is in Maryland. We lived in Burtonsville, Maryland. We had a good life. My dad gave us anything we wanted. You know what I mean? We would go to NASCAR, you know, go sit courtside, watch Michael Jordan play. He was a bum at that time. Very wow. mean dude. <laughs> No, nah, he, he's a good guy. He was just tough on the guys on his team. I, I saw early what it takes yeah. to be successful. Mm -hmm. Very tough guy, very driven. 
yeah, my dad worked for a company then, GTE Verizon. Um, he did telecommunications. Mm-hmm. So he was always busy. He was So at a young age, I saw what work looked like and what it takes to be successful. My dad was very tough when it came to school. Very, very tough. Uh, like, C's are not acceptable. No, 1,000%. B's are A's, right? So I saw my dad and my mom, you know, they didn't really get along. So at a very but young you live primarily with your dad at a young age, at yes. a young age, yeah. So in I, Maryland, yeah, I live with my dad. So I would go back and forth, you know, from and then you know spend time with my mom. Then my mom moved to New York, very different, you know what I mean. So I would go to New York. She worked in Queens Plaza. She was a hairdresser. So, you know, I used to always hang out there, and just so happens now I also love cutting hair you know what I mean so you cut um, hair yeah absolutely I didn't know you cut hair yeah absolutely I love I mean listen I have a whole ass job but cutting hair it never stops wow. you know what I mean yeah I still cut hair yeah so my mother leaped in New York she went there and I can't say I really liked it too much but when uh, my mother was there she dated an artist you know what I mean so it was kind of like um I still missed her a lot. Even when I was with her, I missed her because mm-hmm. I knew the time was going to be short. And at the whole time, you know, my older brother and I, we never really spent any time apart growing up. You know, they would call us twins. You know what I mean? He looked same mom, same dad. So we looked literally yeah. the same. So we went to Jamaica one summer. Of course, you know, you get fat. You live in the winter and mm-hmm. you, know, you don't get to do much, you know, soccer seasons over the summer. So. My dad would send us to Jamaica over the summers, you know, we'd get to, you know, spend time with our family. And I just remember my brother be like, he just, uh, he, my brother was very mature at a young age. I don't know if it's because he was the older brother, but he's always been that way. But he pulled me to the side and said, hey, I think I'm going to go move with mom. She told me she's moving to Florida. And I heard Miami's like a good place. <laughs> like a party town. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, whatever, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go back to Maryland. Um, my brother tells my dad, like, hey, I want to move with mom. Because at the time, my mom and my dad were going through a whole spiel about who's going to get custody, at what levels of custody. And my brother was like, I don't want to live with stepmom and dad. So being that I've been with my brother um, the whole time, like, yo, I love my mom. I wanted to be with her. But my dad was um, more fit financially and stable to take care of us. But mm-hmm. I love my brother, and I always wanted to be with him, like, and I love my mom. So I just took a chance. I came. We moved to Florida. So How old were you? Uh, I think I was 11. Okay. And it was tough. You know what I mean? Coming into. Why? <laughs> Yo, how, so, how was, like, Maryland, like, you know, so different than Florida? I just want to know, like, was, your perspective I mean, of it. So first things first, we lived in a small-ass town named Burtonsville. Like, down here is more cultured. Yeah. Was it primarily white over there? Yeah, in Maryland, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, couldn't do anything when I'd be like, "Oh, that's my dad's name's Elvis." So they were like, <laughs> "Oh, that's Elvis' son. Call his dad." You know what I mean? <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. So, um, so it was like a real small town. Yeah, it was a small town. It's, it's more developed now, but at yeah. the time, like, you know what I mean? One elementary school, mm-hmm. the other elementary school was miles and miles away. What part of Florida did you move to? So when we first moved here, I moved to Port St. Lucie. Oh yeah. And it was like a whole different. You probably thought it was going to be like Miami. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I hate like, Port St. Lucie. Little, 
shell things walking around. There's mosquitoes. I'm like, yo, this is nuts. You know what I mean? So, shell. Hey, it was the armadillos. I didn't know what the hell they were. Stay up. Armadillos here. Yeah. So, you know, um, I don't even know what the hell they were. So, yo, at the time, I was like, yo, it was, it was shocking. You know what I mean? And then we were like, I don't know, some place Midway Road, like, Port uh-huh. St. Lucie, four pairs. You know what I mean? It was it was different because, you know, going from my dad giving everything to my mom, you know, like when my mom first moved to Florida, she just chanced it, you know. We had family in Port St. Lucie, so it was tough. Mm-hmm. But my mom, she's a very driven woman. She does not give up no matter what. She doesn't step backwards. You know what I mean? So, yo, she literally worked at Popeye's wow. and took care of us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So... I uh, lived my great grandmother at the time literally lived next door and she was a whole ass Jamaican Cuban woman who was just <laughs> nuts. You know Jamaican I mean? Cuban? Yeah. My oh, great grandmother, wow. yeah. Um like my family's all mixed Portuguese, Cuban, all that good shit. <laughs> so it was uh it was tough, you know. at that time I grew close to my great grandma. She left. So when she left, felt a sense of abandonment again. You know, she went back to Jamaica. Um, then we moved down to Fort Lauderdale. Boom. Been in Fort Lauderdale ever since. Went to middle school at Attucks Middle. Um, mm-hmm. So going from like a, a school in Maryland to coming down here and then going to, you know, Christmas Attucks Middle School, it was tough. For one, everybody made fun of me because they're like, oh, you talk like a white boy. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it meant to be like, oh, you talk like a white boy. Like, oh, you mean like I don't talk ghetto? Like, mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Because I don't talk with the slang. You know what I mean? So I didn't really feel accepted. Wow. You know, and it was tough because I'm as dark as it gets. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> and I'm like, yo, I love pop, Black of the berry, sweet of the juice. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, yo, I mean, I got into a lot of fights. Like immediately coming down here, my mom, you know, getting calls from the school. Hey, your son's outstanding athlete, soccer player, volleyball, basketball, all that. All around the corner. You know what I mean? I did it all. And... I got to say, like, it was nerve-wracking, you know what I mean? Just going to school every day and, like, you know, there would be stabbings, fightings, you know what I mean? Like, so all types of trauma growing up. Mm-hmm. Always having to feel like I have to protect myself, like, you know, have a chip on my shoulder because people used to make fun of me, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, you got the AI shoes with the AI jersey. Like, why are you coming to school dressed like that? Like, you're a pretty boy. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, it was tough. Growing up, you can't win because if you got the like the clown shoes on or something, yeah. they make fun of you because you don't got like the nice shoes on. Then you come in, you got the nice shoes on, they start making fun of you because of that. Yo, you well, know, it like... was so crazy. One of the kids that I went to school with, like, mm-hmm. I remember I had some Buffalinos. You know what I mean? Back in the days, Buffalinos, it was mm-hmm. all right. You know, like, there wasn't no Timberlands, but you yeah. could wear them in Florida without <laughs> your feet sweating and shit. So, <laughs> so he stole my Buffalinos. You know what I mean? I'm like, uh-huh. yo, you was just making fun of me for being a pretty boy. So, yeah, you know, so, yeah. got suspended. I, yo, I used to fight a lot in school. I used to fight a lot, a lot in school. And mm-hmm. I was a, didn't really know why because I didn't know how to handle certain situations without being angry. Because I had a lot of anger built up inside of me from, you know, just shit with my family, you know what I mean? Just neglect, all that type of stuff. I can't say everything played out how it was supposed to, but at the time, like, those feelings were very valid. And I didn't know how to express those feelings, you know what I mean? Like, and even when we came down here, my mom, like, she literally transferred from Popeye's to Popeye's down here. That's what she did. Mm -hmm. 
she became like a, one of the managers for the stores, like I think four or five stores in Broward County. So, you know, she got a little bit more money. Mm -hmm. Everything was um, going well. And then she put herself through nursing school. So she started being a nurse. So, you know, here Dope. comes, so, so here comes the nursing hours. Mm -hmm. So now I have like nobody to tell me not to do this, not, not to do that. Yeah. Not at all. No supervision. And you guys moved to Broward? Yeah, we moved what to part? Broward. Um, like Melrose Park, Riverland area, mm -hmm. still live over there. So yeah. we live in, at the time we lived in Melrose, now we live in Riverland, but at the time it, was a, it wasn't so much of a great area. Yeah. There was a lot of crack. There was a lot of gang banging out there. You know what I mean? It was kind of rough. You know what I mean? Riverland is um, uh, the other side of 95 on Broward. On um, Davie Boulevard. Davie Boulevard, yeah. Davie Boulevard. I mean, it's like Lauder Hill. Lauder Hill? No, Lauder Hill's north. Lauder Hill's north. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, to be honest, it was tough. You yeah. know what I mean? But I always had an older brother. Yo, my older brother and I have always been close, you know, all through middle school, high school. Yo, so we get into high school. I mean, I had all A's and B's going into high school. That's when everything just went to shits. I uh, started hanging out with people from Davie. Davey represent, Hollywood. bro. <laughs> Hollywood, you know what I mean? And then, yo, it was like from there, like, you know, all the dudes in my neighborhood, they had like all the drugs. You know what I mean? And then like, yo, being Jamaican, like, you know, my brother, he, his ass is, yo, we spent most majority of our lives here, but my brother's as Jamaican as it gets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he really so, embraced the culture. Oh, what? <laughs> 100. At the time, like, the drugs were there. They were available. So I never really did drugs. We get in high school. All of a sudden, I'm not one to play sports anymore. You know, um, I think her name was Miss Dar. She was like the uh, student athlete, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, she would come to me from like, you know, from eighth grade to ninth grade. She's like, hey, I see you were doing this at middle school. Like, keep your grades up so you can play this, this and that. You know, timing me in PE. Like, wow, you run a 4-2. That's awesome. Me, mm -hmm. like, what the hell is a 4-2? Not knowing that I was fast as shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Things like that. And, um, yo, so I get to, like, 10th, 11th grade, and I'm like, yo, I don't even want to do this anymore. Got approached by a school, Youth Automotive Training Center. So going into – it's a school for troubled kids. You know what I mean? So I went there. While I was there, like, it was a great school. It's, it's owned by JM Lexus, uh, Jim Moran. So I went to that school, and um, – it was great, man. You know what I mean? While I was there, the uh, the teachers, they used to always tell me, like, hey, you're very smart. You're brilliant. You know what I mean? They taught me automotive. I still love to work on cars. Mine, not everybody else's. <laughs> but um, while I was there, so, you know, they pretty much paid for everything. Anything I wanted, they did it for me. So, I mean, while I was there, I started selling drugs. You know, I started by selling weed, taking the dime bags. And What's this, like, senior year? Junior year? Senior. Started selling nickel dime bags, you know, and started seeing money. I didn't have to ask mom for money or mom didn't have to buy me shoes. So with that being said, my boys from out west and Davey, they were a little bit more experienced in the works, <laughs> you know what I mean? So boom, you know, they're like, oh, well, you can sell ecstasy pills and make a lot of money because at the time everybody was eating ecstasy mm -hmm. pills so 
Yeah, Yo. bro. I remember, um, dude, they had the Playboy bunnies, oh, yeah. the green Mitsubishi. Jeans up, hose yeah. down, all that <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Yo. So I started selling those and I had a nice connect on it. You know what I mean? So from there, by the hundreds, by the thousands, I was making a lot of money. And 17, 18 years old, you're starting to make all this money. You're like, yo, fuck school. Like, why would I need to go to school if I'm making all this money? You know what I mean? Um, one day, you know, somebody was like, oh, hey, have you ever tried one? It's like, no, I don't do drugs. I just sell them. So, uh, wait, were you smoking weed at that point? Yeah, I smoked weed. Oh, you smoked weed? I but... always smoked weed. Y'all been smoking weed since I was seven years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah, seven years old. Y'all, I'm Jamaican. That's yeah. like, you know what I mean? It's like, like a natural thing. Yo, come on, man. It's like, it's like wine in Italy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yo, it's a natural thing. Everybody smokes weed in Japan. Mm -hmm. you know I mean? Well, not everybody, but majority. A lot of people yeah, smoking weed. Yeah, it's like a weed. culture thing, you know what I mean? So even when you moved down here, you're still smoking weed? Yeah, I still always smoke when weed. When you were a kid, were you trying to get other kids to smoke weed? Or it was just nah, like a thing you just did nah, by yourself? I, I just smoked weed. Like, yo, I can remember um, in Maryland, like, you know, my neighbor smoked weed. You know what I mean? So I used to ride my skateboard around. And Were stuff. your parents cool with it? Hell no. Fuck oh, no, no. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. There was a kid in Maryland. His name was Johnny. And his, you were never his, like, but mom, we're Jamaican. No, dude. fuck no. Hell no. She wasn't having it. No, she's not accepting of that shit. Let me just back up. My mom doesn't smoke weed, drink, mm -hmm. none of that shit, nor does my dad. At all. At all, yeah. At all. I probably my parents my, the same way. Yeah, I probably see my mom. So my mom has a whole bar, and I swear that shit collects dust. <laughs> you know what I mean? People come over and be like, oh, you got a whole bar in your house. It doesn't bother you. I'm like, no, it doesn't bother me. But if it did, she would put it away. She supports my yeah, recovery. Yeah, for sure. But yo, like, so I just, I stopped fucking caring about anything, just money. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? Started, you know, getting wait, wait, racing. So senior year, you're saying that uh, you tried ecstasy for the first time? Yeah. So um, ecstasy. Then, you know, got in, started going to Miami all the time. Um, nocturnal space, you know what I mean? Party until the fucking sun comes up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Before you know it, like, all the drugs are, you know, they're getting sold, but they're running out too. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, like, yo, I'm always depressed now. You know, it's like if I'm not on drugs, I, like, I'm depressed. Like, I'm driving around with just a Patron bottle, you know what I mean? Like, drinking Patron straight. That's where my disease took me. Mm -hmm. Started going to Key West, ended up doing stuff down there, selling stuff down there. You know, it uh, mentally, it got tough. And at this time, my older brother, um, he had a, a daughter now. So he was like pulling away from me so your brother started cleaning up his act right. and like growing up and right. you were just like yeah parties on yeah parties on um so yo met my um my daughter's mom she was a party fucking animal you know what i mean so she moved in shit was crazy both of us were temperamental we used to always fucking fight all types of shit anyway so i got locked up for the first time walking in my neighborhood, just, so my little brother that lived in Jamaica, he mm -hmm. moved over here, started living with us, and I was walking one of his friends home one night, got locked up. First time I ever got locked up. Just walking on the street? Just walking the No drugs home. on you, nothing? No drugs, nothing. <laughs> just bad wow, fucking luck, yo. Um, From there, man, like, once I seen what uh, 
Broward County's hotel was. Like I was like, oh, this ain't shit. You know, <laughs> like, this ain't that bad. Yo, this ain't that bad. I don't know what these guys are talking about. You know what I mean? It was like, yo, you get three meals a day. You know what I mean? You get a nice little bed. Yeah, fuck that. You know <laughs> what I mean? At the time, I didn't give a fuck. You know, because I didn't have anything really, or so I thought to live for it. Um, my mom would get stressed out, and then I got locked up for domestic violence, right? So I did, uh, I would say the first time I got locked up, probably like, yo, three months or something like that, got out. They put me on freaking probation. I didn't last a day on probation. I got locked right back up. Wow. So I ended up doing uh, 364. You know, I still managed to graduate from YATC going through all this crap. What so was I, that? The, the, the youth automobile. Yep. I still managed wow, to graduate. Wow. So, wait, from this there. is all senior year? <laughs> this is still senior year? <laughs> Yo, I managed to graduate from there. Wow. You know what I mean? Um, they helped me out with fucking everything in my life, man. While doing a year in jail? No, no, no. So, after I graduated, that's okay. when I ended up doing the year. Gotcha. But um, I think they kept me from where I was, you know, headed at the time at the time yeah it helped you out yeah but um i mean after that like i got out of jail was in shape i was doing you know i was like hey maybe i should go to school so my brother at the time he was a nurse so was my mother so i was like all right so let me go back to school there was a school called sunshine something i don't want to say their name i don't mm -hmm. know if it's okay but um i went there so I started working at a nursing home. And yeah, so while I was doing that, Rick Scott passed a law, said you can't, and I was going to be a school to be a nurse. Like you can't have any type of, um, what do you call it? Like uh, a uh, violent, background? Yeah, violent, violent. background. Mm -hmm. Shit. So that went to shit. I worked there for like, two years but while i was working there i was still selling drugs mm -hmm. still doing drugs all that and there was a guy um his name was jennings he took a liking to me you know what i mean and he used to say things to me like you're smart but you're not applying yourself like you're being a dumbass you know mm -hmm. what i mean and he would sit there and he would talk to me about airplane engines everything and like i would respond to him and he was like why don't you be a, a automotive mechanic for i mean what is it called a mechanic for uh, working uh, on airplanes. Yeah, like an airplane mechanic. Yeah, so I was just not responding. Aviation? Aviation, yeah. that's what it is, aviation. So I was just wasn't responding because mm -hmm. I had no sense of direction where the fuck my life was going. And at this time, like, my dad started, like, really disliking me. You know what I mean? Because he, my dad, his thing was, like, if you would have stayed with me, you would have been better off. Yeah. You know, because I didn't have that guidance. Like, my mom didn't. She, my mom was tough. But she didn't, yo, know, as a young man, like, she mm -hmm. couldn't really tell me much what to do. Yeah, and your dad seemed pretty strict. Yeah, he really was, man. Um, yo, so as going through that, dude, it was a crazy time in my life. And, yo, so I had my first daughter. You know, my mom used to always tell me, like, yo, you're going to be a dog. You're going to have a daughter. <laughs> yo, my daughter came into the world. I wanted to change my life. So I couldn't do it, like. No matter what I tried. So my baby mom's left. She went to New Jersey for like a year. Um, sorry, two years. She took my daughter and went up there. She came back. I was already with somebody else. I was with my son's mom. I had a child with her. 
And I was still selling drugs, still out in the streets. The addiction got worse to where I was now snorting um, heroin, you know, eating Xanax, blues, you know what I mean? Selling them, you know. Yo, it was the whole pill mill fucking Era, thing. You yeah. know what I mean? So now I had two kids. You were doctor shopping and everything? Oh, yeah. was I? I was out there, out mm -hmm. there. You know what I mean? And, um, yo, I was buying thousands and thousands and thousands of pills a week, thinking I was a fucking kingpin. You know, and in my head, I was the biggest drug dealer in fucking Broward County. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Shithead. At that point, you know, I pretty much wanted to give it up, man. You know, and um, it just so happened I was driving to Miami to go pick up a bunch of shit. I was tired anyways. So I got pulled over with thousands of pills. Detective was like, yo, I thought you had cocaine because of how much pills you had. <laughs> I don't really want to disclose too much of it, but the judge gave me a chance. You got a newborn baby boy. It's like, this is your chance. Like, there is no more. If you get locked up again, like, I'm pretty sure. You're... So I had a trafficking charge. You know what I mean? They were like, yo, they gave me a chance. Like, I'm still grateful for that because yeah. if it wasn't for that, like, I yeah, I've in... seen people do five years over yeah. 100 pills. Yeah. Like, real talk. Like, it was like, I'm so grateful for that. I don't know what she saw in me that I didn't see at that time. You know what I mean? So the 15 years turned into nothing, to a chance at life. And I did not listen. Mm -hmm. I still got locked up in Broward County again for blues. That was the last time I got locked up. After that, I knew I needed to give it up. I got out. So how I got into the program, plus that program, was pretty much, you know, one of my best friends who, one of the pe first people I met in Florida, he passed away. Uh, he called me one night, said, hey, I'm going to go cop some stuff. Da -da -da -da. I was like, hey, man, I'm really trying to get clean. I'm sick of this life. I don't think I'm going to get high tonight. He died that night. Wow. Right? Off pills? No, off um, heroin. Hmm. Heroin, because, you know, we started, it, the disease got so bad, we started shooting up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And um, that was it for me, seeing, like, my best friend's dead body. You know what I mean? Like, in front of my face. It was real. Felt like I was him at that point. So I went to his funeral, you know, became real. His father barely speaks English. He's Cuban. His father barely speaks English, yo. And let me tell you, like, he managed to say, I don't want you to die. I know my son loves you. Like, he talked about you all the time. It was real for me. So after that, I went to my first meeting. At the meeting, you know, my mother came with me. I cursed her out at the meeting. I'm not high on you. Realistically, <laughs> I was on cocaine. I was on Xanax. I was on heroin. You know, I was on everything, dude. Yeah. It's out of my fucking mind. Um, so I went to a place, you know what I mean? And I got clean. For the first time in my life, I actually got clean. But previous time that I tried to do it, it was just like, oh, I'm going to shut mom and dad up, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this time, like, I was like, yo, I have to. I have no choice. So when I went there... Yo, I remember even previously before I went there, my brother was like, yo, you're a crackhead. I don't even know you. He's like, I'll pay you to get clean. <laughs> and in my best thing, I was like, well, I could just take the money from him and then just not get clean. You know what I mean? I'm like, yo, I cut my hair, clean myself up. You know what I mean? I had dreads before, whatever, all that shit. So I cut my hair, did everything. And yo, I just remember coming into, I think it was like my first few months in the program, like my children didn't want to be around me my mother was sick of my shit but she was still there because i'm her son mm -hmm. she never gave up on me my father we did not have a good 
communication. Like he was sick of my shit too. He came down here one time and I overdosed and he was just like, yo, you're going to die. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. And my brother came to me and he was like, hey, uh, you should get life insurance. So if you die, your kids will have something. <laughs> wow. Shit got real. Yeah. So, yo, like at the time, dog, it was fucking crazy. Because I didn't, yo, I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing, what direction I was going in. And, yo, I took a shot. You know what I mean? I took a shot. And, like, yo, it was just like, I remember, like, my first couple weeks. I used to talk about this all the time. My first couple weeks getting clean. I would call, like, my older brother. Or he would call me just to check up on me. Like, yo, how's it going? And be like, oh, everything's good. But, like, you know. Like, I used to always ask him for money, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, or my family, whoever I talked to, like, I used to always ask them for money because, like, I had lost that drive to go get it myself. So it was just, like, I felt like every time I called somebody, like, they always thought I was going to ask them for money or some crazy shit. But it was just a genuine, like, hey, you know what I mean? Because I wanted to get back what I lost with my family because I thought it was going to be on some overnight shit. Yeah. But it wasn't. I saw the men in the program like yourself. I saw how you guys walked. I saw <laughs> how you guys laughed. I saw how you guys had fun. You know what I mean? And I also saw how you guys were serious. So I was like, hey, man, I really, you know. Yeah, and like in South Florida, it's like a whole nother world out here. You know, yeah. like going to meetings out here. You go to meetings, there's 120-year-olds. You know, there's like, we really try to make uh, recovery as attractive as possible. But, you know, being someone in recovery that's been clean a long time, I've seen what happens when people only stay for like the fun shit, you know? Yeah, going to meetings, you know, it's pretty fun, bro. You hang out with people, there's girls, whatever, you know? But if you don't take it seriously, I've seen those same people die, you right. know? So there's like that balance where it's like, yeah, bro, I like to have fun. I like to, you know, do the same things everyone else likes to do, bro. But when it's time to get to work, there's a lot of work to be done, you know? Yeah, I didn't understand that at first, though. I never really experienced. Most people don't, bro. Most people are like, yeah, bro. Like, uh, like my one friend doesn't want to like work steps, or he's been slacking on working steps. But he goes to all the functions. He right. hangs out with everybody in NA. You know, he goes to the celebrations. And I'm like, bro, you like the dude that comes to prom, but don't go to school. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> talk about like it. Like, you got to do the work, bro. Like, you can't just come to the party. You know? Yo, it, and for me, that's where it really it started. To, you know, kick in once I started seeing. So the first couple meetings I went to, I remember, I think it was you or it was you or Drew giving mm -hmm. somebody a medallion because yeah. it was in um, November. Gotcha. And I was at uh, the 12-step house mm -hmm. and I saw you guys roasting each other. <laughs> I was like, man, these dudes have like over seven years clean. Yeah. This is fucking nuts. I was like, man, I'm trying to really, you know, have that joy in my life. Because mm -hmm. oh, my life was sad back then, you know what I mean? And then... Um, I got a home group. I heard the suggestions and like, yo, even though I was high in my first meeting, like I heard a suggestion and like one thing, like, yo, I, I heard him say, like, I tried to share and it just did not come out. And then I heard him say, keep coming back. Cause I was high as fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he was like, keep coming back. And I shut up and I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to come back. Cool. Yo. And from there, man, like, yo, I got a home group. Right. And I didn't know at the time, but what that shit taught me was like to show the fuck up. Even though it was just like hugging people it's as they come in, bro. you know what I mean? Like, yo, it, just, it taught me to show up and like, yo, nobody got past me. I'm getting that hug. And at the time, like I needed every hug mm -hmm. coming through that door. You know what I mean? Because nobody hugged me but my fucking mom before I got clean. You know what I mean? So it taught me to show up. And one of my buddies who I grew up with, 
he saw me getting clean. He got clean and I worked with him and his family. I started off, you know, I was doing waterproofing and caulking. And that's your first job in recovery? Right. My sleep was still messed up. But what it did is I had to be to work at six in the morning. And I literally used to make $100 a day mm-hmm. in the hot ass blazing sun. You know what I mean? And I showed up and I didn't understand why I would go back to where, you know, I didn't like the job, but like it taught me how to be, you know, a human being, like show up to work. And that's all from having a commitment, like just a simple commitment to showing up to something resulted in me showing up to work every morning. You know what I mean? And yo, from doing drugs for so long, I was pretty lousy at first, you know, Mm -hmm. and then where I was, you know, working five, six days a week, still, you know, showing up to meetings, doing what I have to do, having a home group at a huge meeting to where I was antisocial to people, now having hundreds (laughs) of people. And then I think you ended up doing a series there, Mm -hmm. you know, and hearing a man that's younger than me, such as yourself, go over. You know what's crazy? Because you're still on my phone as Andre 19, bro. When you got clean, bro, I thought you were like 19 years old. Just, I don't know. I think maybe because you showed up with your mom the yeah. first time. I was just like, oh, bro, this kid's. You just look like a young kid. I don't know how yeah. to explain it, but you got good genes. Yeah. How old were you when you got clean? Uh, 28. 28. 28. Wow. Yeah. So I'm I'm about to be actually my birthday coming up this year. I'll be 32. Okay. And I'll have four years. Dope. At that time, like, yo, for one thing for me, like that pink cloud thing, I don't know if it was really there because I came in with so much pain, Mm -hmm. but I had the willingness to stay clean because at this point, like I saw so much that my life was, you know, if I potentially got high again, that it wasn't a joke that I can die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all that shit, you know, at one point in my recovery, like, you know, I started working steps, everything was good, but then my head, like, yo... Our mind is crazy. Like, your mind will convince you to do some shit. Mm -hmm. And I just remember people always saying, oh, don't listen to the noise between your ears. You know, and then I have family. They smoke weed. They drink. You know Yeah, so how hard is it, you know, being Jamaican? uh, You know, like, is it hard for you, like, seeing your whole family, like, probably smoke weed or, like, your culture or or whatever? Like, people always tell me, like, oh, it's really hard for me to not drink because I'm Irish. Or Mm. I was like, bro, that's every culture, bro. Every culture (laughs) drinks, bro. Like, what the fuck you think this is? Name one culture that don't drink. Yo, real talk. Like, Jamaicans smoke weed, bro, but they fucking drink a lot of rum, too. You know what I mean? A lot, Yo, so one thing my family did, they noticed that from them being there that you were trying that i was trying to change you know what i mean i remember so they went to meetings with you and stuff right my that's mother, cool my mother would she and then she did the whole narn on thing Nar-nar, or something like yeah. that and then she asked questions and she actually spoke to my sponsor a lot and then another addict that was uh close to our family that's rocky cool. she you know keep in contact with them she followed us on facebook saw all of our pictures <laughs> everything you know and she yeah. comments oh great you know little <laughs> hands all that stuff and like yo it was like I guess my brother, um, we started having a better relationship. We started talking more. And then my, my younger brother, um, you know, we all got closer. Like my whole family was in disarray when I was getting high. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like over um, a point of me being clean over the first year, all of a sudden my aunt from Minnesota who wanted nothing to do with me before, like she's like, hey, whatever you're doing, continue doing what you're doing. And then 10 over, like, uh, I had to think about a year plus. Um, My mom gave me a medallion. 
you know, and like it was very emotional at that time. Just to just to know how much I put my mom through, um, the thousands and thousands of dollars they spent on court costs and mm-hmm. this and that and the third, you know, her taking guns from me, hiding shit, all that type of stuff. Like, you know, the ultimate payoff for me staying clean was the peace that I gave my family. So uh, I had built up child support from when I wasn't taking care of my fucking responsibilities when I was getting high. Mm-hmm. Uh, day after my year, they came to my house and they were like, oh, you have a warrant. So what happened then is they locked me up. <clears throat> so when I with got a year home, clean? With a year clean. So um, I got there. I explained to the sheriff. Um, he actually knew me because I was a fuck up. Mm-hmm. He knew me. He was like, hey, man, you look different. Everything looks great about you, but I have to lock you the fuck up. <laughs> so, yo, they locked me up, right? So I'm in there. The very first lady that processed me, um, the first time I got locked up, she was processing me again. She said, wow, Mr. Stevenson, you look great. Like, I can't believe this is you. You don't even look like you belong here. Yo, she made me call my mom on her cell phone. That's you know cool. what I mean? Yo, regardless, I was out the um, the next day. I knew that that wasn't a place for me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really, it wasn't the same feeling. Like, the program was changing my mind the way I think. I changed sponsors after, like, a year clean. There was a man that I was attracted to. You know what I mean? Like, yo, people, there's a, like there's such thing like femininity and masculinity. Yo, like, his masculinity was bold. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a sense of, um, I don't know, I was at a place where I was like, yo, my mind ain't working right. Talking to my boys, and he's like, yo, I don't know, man. Like, you need to change something. So I said, okay. And at the time, I think I was doing my fourth step, mm-hmm. you know, and I started seeing the parts that I played in everything and, you know, the harm that I did to people and all that stuff. And, you know, it was, it was a sense of feeling like shit. And I didn't feel comfortable going over my four step. I started thinking, I'm like, yo, I could go to the strip club and just confess all this shit to a stripper. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yo, and like my best thinking was shit. So um, the first thing he did was just like, yo, so what, you switched sponsors at a year clean? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first thing he did was he gave me this book, As a Man Thinketh, by James Allen. I heard about it. Right. And, yo. It's that good? Yeah. It started changing my mind, man, and, and the way how I think. And, you Tell know me what about I mean? it. What is, what is it saying? So it's just, it's how a man should carry themselves, like, in a, everything, every aspect of life, whether it's spirituality, mm-hmm. you know. And it talks about, you know, being spiritually immature to a spiritually mature individual to how if you own a business, you reflect how you want your business ran. So how you show up to work, you know what I mean, is how other people should show up to work. Like, you know, be an example, you know what I mean, how a man should run their household, everything in life, you know, how you should carry yourself. And like at that point, I didn't know any of that. That's cool, man. I was so close-minded when I first got clean. When I first got clean, and if my sponsor gave me something to do that wasn't NA-approved literature or 12-step approved literature, I'd be like, bro, I ain't doing that. That's drunk. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like I was... Real talk. I really became, like, one of these, like, 12-step Nazis. Mm -hmm. Like, I was only doing something 12-step related. Like, I didn't want to do church. I wasn't going to do no, like, drunk packet or whatever. Like, I wanted to do only NA-approved stuff. 
And I called this dude with mad clean time. And I was like, bro, my sponsor wants me to make me do this packet that isn't really like approved literature. <laughs> like, I sound stupid now. But that's how serious I was. You know, right. it's kind of like how, like, I did pills and like I didn't try heroin mm. for a long time, or I, I had only done it once. Because, like, with pills, I know what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. So it was, like, the yeah, same yeah. thing with, like, the 12-step program. I was like, bro, I don't want to, like, veer off anyway. And I called this guy with all these years clean. And he was like, bro, if my sponsor went to a kindergarten class and found something on the floor and thought that it would help me mm. and told me to read it, I would read it. Right. And I remember I hung up the phone. and was like, bro, that guy's drunk. <laughs> like, that's how, like, hardcore I was when I first got clean. And, like, obviously now, you know, I read all sorts of different books and, like, right. get my sponsees to read different books on Step 11 and stuff like that. So. Yo, there's a book for how you're feeling and how your mind's thinking at the time every moment of the day. Yeah, bro, it really blows my mind how some people don't read at all. Yo, I used to fucking hate reading. Yeah. Hey, yo, when I first got clean... I would try to, you know, when they give you the readings and you go on stage mm -hmm. and like, I felt like the words were jumping around on yeah. the page. And everyone's judging you. like Right, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, yo, from year one to almost now, you know, going through the motions, man, and just staying clean and going through. So another reason why I chose my sponsor now, like he went through a divorce clean mm -hmm. and he went through his brother dying and everything. So my grandfather died when I was getting high. He never gave up on me. Everything. And, like, my grandma used to tell me stuff that my grandfather said, all this stuff. And, like, yo, when I got clean, everything that I swept under the rug and pushed to the side. Started coming and, up. Yeah, suppressed the feelings with drugs. Everything came up. Boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like a train wreck. Dude, so that's I why the steps are shit. so important, bro, because <laughs> when I see people that are like, yeah, I'm doing good, but I'm not really doing my step work, it's like... Auto-reply. Yeah. <laughs> like, bro, that shit is terrible, bro. That's an auto... Yeah. Yo, it's an uncomfortable feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, dude, so just like, I think year two into three was like more of me getting spiritual. You know what I mean? And like getting in touch with myself, getting to know who I am. So let's back up. So you do your four step with your new sponsor, right? Mm. How's that? Uh, so I'm gonna say a lot of people say it's uh it's hell when you're doing your fourth step. It wasn't. It was free. It For was sure. freedom. You know what I mean? Like I we talked about everything. You know, and where I thought like it was gonna be like a whole shit show, nah. You know, like I figured out my part and all, yo, I figured out a lot. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it was more freeing. It's like anything else, bro. It's like, uh, you know, like when you get clean, you got charges and warrants. Mm -hmm. Like where you can't just run around not doing them or not right. facing them. Right. Like, and more times than not, when you face something that you've been putting away for a long time, it's never as bad as you make it in your mind. Right. You know, I always say people like, bro, the fourth step is when you get introduced to you. Mm -hmm. What you're running from is yourself. Yes. You know, like people say, don't get in a relationship for a year. I always say like, no, nah, you should do a fourth and fifth step before you get in a relationship because right. how are you supposed to get to know someone else you don't even know yourself yo you honestly know? now that you said that it makes a whole lot of sense because before like i was like a whole ass you know idiot and then after i did that slowly i started to find who i was what i like my interests you know everything mm -hmm. that little boy like went away you know and i felt like i was finally becoming the man that i'm supposed to be to where i would be scared to have success like, now I'm not scared to try new things. You know, like, I always, so at about a year and a half clean, 
I wanted to give back because I, the men that, you know, I look up to in the program, I saw what they did. So I said, okay, uh, it's going to be less money, but I'm going to go work at the treatment center. Fine. I did that. You know, even though my pockets burnt a little bit, it was cool because I worked so much that I saved a little bit to where I could do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I always tell people, like, making the choice to make less money is such a lesson in discipline and what you want in life that most people will never do that. Most right. people will live their whole life and never be able to say, I'm going to choose to make less money because it's better for me mentally and spiritually. spiritually yeah. And I'm willing to do the harder thing because people think like chasing the money is the harder thing. The harder thing is saying no to the money. Exactly. You know what I mean? But when right. you learn to say no to the money and say, I'm going to take care of me first and build a foundation. Key. You could start building empires Key. and uh, skyscrapers and, as opposed to just building fucking houses and shit with no foundation that as soon as a hurricane come, they wash away. You, you know, know? I don't, for me, it was like, you know what I mean? I, I was taking care of self, but then I also saw the service that I wanted to put out. Even though I was at the treatment center, I didn't feel like I was getting half what I needed. But mm -hmm. like for me, it was... Um, empowerment for myself knowing that i can help others and you know like being there every person that walked through that door like there was a resemblance of me of course you know what i mean so i got to help a lot of people and i got to know a lot of people as well and in this program like if you just touch one person that's what it's really all about mm -hmm. you know it's just one one addict helping another in a 12-step program so i remember when that journey left off and i was like okay it's time to start building as a man and um you know i wanted to get my credit right you know i got my license back everything was going all right um and then you know i started speaking to my sponsor like hey i need to start building myself because i'm so far behind on everything and it's like well what are your options you know let's weigh everything out man i took a shot my buddy that you know um i went to treatment with him probably like mm -hmm. every time i went to uh to this place he was mm -hmm. there <laughs> you know what i mean like we didn't hang out or anything it just so happened that he would be you know, there every, you know. yeah so uh he was like hey like we kept in touch we like you know um we became very very close he's like one of my best friends you know what i mean he was like hey i'm running this company now why don't you come work for me you know what i mean and i said okay and i was scared man you know what i mean like a fear yo like i was i just remember like just sitting there and it just like I forgot what I was reading, but it was pretty much like, you can't live your life in fear. You need to walk in faith. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I was just like, yo, like, I'm going to take the shot. And it worked out. And I've been there for a year now. I'm finally getting to really be the man that I, I want to be. You know, I can't say I'm there yet, but I'm where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm finally starting to do things that I like to do. Jet skiing, you know freaking go hike mountains and you know go restaurants mm -hmm. yo everything That's you know cool. what i mean but like the key thing is like i have a relationship with my daughter now my brother like i have two older sisters we now talk we never talked before mm -hmm. it was just like more of them seeing me like oh my brother's so fucked up you know <laughs> what i mean and now it's like they call me they live in you know one of them works in arizona the other one lives in jamaica they call me all the time now my younger brother's one of them, you know, he's in college in Maryland. The other one's, a, uh, he works at his banker in uh, Maryland. Um, you know, so, like, we all have relationships now. And funny thing is, my older brother, who's the one that I'm said I'm real close to, 
Uh, he now works for the treatment center that I used to work for. Oh, that's cool. Because he's well off. He's mm -hmm. good. He set himself up to so he can, you know, do this, you know, and help other people like such as myself. You know, so now he's giving back. It's relatable to him, even though he's not an addict, because mm -hmm. he saw me go through it. A thousand percent. Yo, it's it's great. And like, you know, bro, my uncle just passed away like probably like a few months ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Nobody at my family was able to be there, but I was able to be there. And, you know, my, my aunt was like, hey, can you, you know, speak in behalf of this side of the family? And I was like, oh, they want me to speak. Like, you know what I mean? Usually it's just like, don't go up there. Don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, yo, like since, honestly, man, since I've been clean, my family's just overall better. It's just like everything is in tune, like not even just, you know, my family, but extended. I didn't realize how much of a strain that I had put on my family and my kids mm -hmm. at that. You know what I mean? Like now my kids are like, not like, are you coming back? Like, oh, you're going to a meeting? Oh, can we come with you? Like, oh, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like my kids love me now. Like not saying that they didn't before, but I was never present. Yeah, you don't have that connection like you do now. Yeah, so now I'm just, um, yo, I'm learning, man. Like, as a man, like, I'm learning everything. How has, like, your spirituality changed from, like, uh, what you thought it would be? Because, like, I got really into, you know, reading different books and meditation and stuff like that when I had, like, two years clean. Right. And I think, like, from two to five years clean, like, I got really obsessive with it, you know? So I'm not going to lie, man. I was going to a, a retreat. Uh -huh. And I was listening to it's like a Jamaican comedy type script, but they get really deep into talking about like spirituality and, um, you know, just overall politics, everything. But while I was driving, it was, you know, a whole like I think it was like a, a eight hour drive by myself. Mm -hmm. So while I was driving up there, I was like, let me take the chance to, you know, get closer to myself, my spirit and see what I can get out of this. And it just so happened when I put on the episode, they were talking about a man being spiritually immature, spiritually fit, you know, and spiritually mature and where you're at in your spirituality. And they were, you know, giving different examples. And I wasn't so much on the side of being spiritually mature, but I was on the side of being spiritually fit, you know, to where I'm, you know, finally you know, embracing the simple blessings in life, not looking at what I don't have, looking what I do have, you know what I mean? T trying to take care of my body, you know what I mean? Um, finally. Just and it's interesting because like when people talk about, like whenever I talk to anyone, like just getting cleaner, even like people on the street, they always say, I want to be happy. Mm -hmm. If you want to be happy, people think like they have to change their life to be happy. You just have to change the way you look at it. Yes. If you just focus on the things you do have versus the things you don't have, the simple the, blessing. The simple gratitude will start to feel good. Right. You know, the only reason most people walk around unhappy is because they're saying the way it is now, it should be different. Exactly. That's the only reason why people are, are miserable unless you have a mental health issue where you need to have like extra serotonin and dopamine. Mm. That's like the only thing that can really change. Like, because I tell people all the time, like, bro, when you get the Honda, boom, you're going to want the Benz. Right. When you get the Benz, you're going to pull up to the red light and the AMG is going to pull up. Then you're going to want the AMG. You know, like everything you want in life, there's always a successor. And as soon as you get something, the initial good feeling of accomplishing something is going to drift away. And if you don't have gratitude, 
and fulfillment before you get the things that you're looking for, it ain't never going to come. You know, it was a point to where, you know, I started making a lot of money. You know what I mean? And, yo, I got my truck. You know what I mean? Like, I love my little truck. When I got that <laughs> damn truck, I was I thought I was God. You know what I mean? Re- reality is, you know, 2001 Toyota. You know what I mean? But, like, yo, it's mine. Yeah. You know, like, and I see the dudes, they're driving all these nice. Da-da-da. I'm like, yo, I have the money now. I can buy one. But at the end of the day, like, it's not really going to make me happy. You know? Yeah, bro. If you weren't happy with the yeah. truck, you ain't gonna be happy yeah. with the Benz. You yo, know? I, yo, that I'm at work. I'm looking at Maseratis. I'm like, yo, I could actually afford this. I'm gonna go buy one. I'm thinking I should leave work to go buy my. <laughs> yo, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm out of my mind. That's yeah. not gonna happen. You know what I mean? So like, the impulsiveness went away. Yeah. You know the impulsive actions, man. Just overall, this program, it's it's from the little boy that I was when I came in. That I thought I was a whole ass man, not that dude anymore. So I'm figuring out, I'm becoming more of a sponge. You know what I mean? I'm getting into things that I always wanted to, but I was always fearful of. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm pretty sure I'm gonna enter into business adventures to own my own business. You know what I mean? I couldn't dream of doing that mm-hmm. when I was getting high. And people always ask me, like, how did you accomplish all this? Like, bro, I work steps that instill something in me. That like, cause when you write things on paper and you read it with someone else, mm. and then you're reading a book about it too, it changes the whole way you operate. Why well, start to think that anything is possible? It is though. Anything you know? is possible. But like, people can say that or whatever. But unless you're doing the real work behind it, it ain't gonna really transcend into your life. It ain't gonna spill over into your life. You're just gonna kind of hear about it and say, "Yeah, that sounds great," you know. But like, dude, I work steps that constantly talk about what type of person I want to be, what I want to do anything you want. And sometimes it's not like a financial goal. You know, I remember I had five years clean and I was thinking about hobbies and I was thinking about like, when's the last time I had like a hobby? Like I really don't have no hobbies, bro. Right. Like I go to meetings and I go to work and uh, I go to the gym. That's like literally my life. And I remember had this epiphany, like I can do anything now. Like I can do anything, you know? And I thought about when I was a kid and I liked to rollerblade. Mm. So, like, I remember as a kid, there was, like, these rollerblades that, like, bro, they were, like, the best ones you could ever get. I forget what they were. They were, uh, they were the Razors. Like, oh, the, the Razors. Ra- the Razor joints. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah. the Razor Dreams or whatever they're called. I remember being a kid and wanting them so bad. And I remember I had, like, five years clean. I wasn't really making a lot of money, but I was making enough to buy some fucking rollerblades, you know? And I went and bought, like, my favorite pair of rollerblades and went to the skate park and busted my ass, bro. Like, fucking fell I remember, like, all the, all I kept thinking, like, the kids were going to make fun of me. Like, dude, I remember I fell this one time, and I was on the floor for a while. And I remember, like, looking around, like, man, one of these little kids laugh at me. I'm going to punch them, you know? Yeah. It was cool, bro. Like, it felt, it felt good to, like, have a dream that seems silly or stupid and just wake up one day and go do it. And um, it's like that with anything, bro. Like you were saying, like jet skiing or whatever. But people think it's going to happen so fast. No, nah, you got to put in the work to get mm-hmm. to where you're at. You know, when I saw you guys when I first came in, it's like, man, I want to do be like them, do what they're doing. You know what I mean? But one thing I wasn't asking myself at the time before I read that book mm-hmm. was like, what did they do to get to where they're at? Mm-hmm. And then once I realized that. Yeah, people see the results, but not exa- the process. The process. You know, the process is where it's at. People want the results, but don't want to go through the process. I always say that, you know, because it's like you could see the end result, Mm -hmm. but you don't see what it took to get there. And you don't see that like, bro, I was the same person without that. You know what I mean? When I was two years clean working at the mall, folding clothes, 
Mm. Bro, I thought I was, I didn't think life could get better. I remember being like, bro, I'm getting paid nine twenty five an hour plus a 30% discount. I and have I, arrived. Yeah, bro, <laughs> fucking game over, bro. I remember like, bro, I was happy as fuck then. Right. You know, I never missed a day at work over there. I was grateful to be there. You know, and a lot of times, you know, I tell people like, oh, I'm grateful or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, well, you're the CEO of the company. Of course you are. You know, it's like, bro, I was grateful mm. fucking as a tech picking up cigarette butts, oh. you know. Recovery. I'm a simple man, you know, like I, I enjoy the simple things in life, like the simple blessings. Everything in my life, I don't look at, you know, the problems. I look at the solutions. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's made my life very simple. You know, not to say that I don't go through things and I don't learn as I go. I mean, I have to remain teachable. Mm -hmm. But like, yo, I'm not scared to ask for help. I ask questions, you know, and like scared to admit like when I fuck up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's very key. Have you worked all 12 steps? Not yet. What step are you on now? Seven. Seven. Nice. Yes. There you go. It's the I defects. Say, yeah. <laughs> I would say seven is uh, probably, I think six and seven are the most like life-changing steps. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Very much so. I've noticed since I've, you know, finished my step six and stuff, like I see a lot more. Mm -hmm. Like my eyes are opened up to a lot more. Just wait till you get to 11. Like, I always tell my sponsees, like, bro, I'm just doing this so you can get to 11. You know, like, 11 is when, like, it changed my life, bro. Like, mm. when I did my 11 step, bro, my life changed. Like, I could tell you that I felt, like, the literature says that it can't adequately be explained in words, and it really can't. Like, what happened to me in step 11 is something that has pushed me to want to get other people to work the steps because it's so empowering like i can't even you can't explain it you know right and then step 12 is when it all comes together you know it's when you put all the pieces of the puzzle together and then you take a step back and then you see the big picture you know i'm waiting to get and there, the big man. picture is not you, you yo know? you know one thing that's key for me though like in my life i don't finish shit so i've learned to like embrace my process and do the work mm -hmm. you know what i mean I know it's not a race, but, like, I know it's key that I stick to it and get it done. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I see the change in people. I see the change in me now before. I, I couldn't see the change. Yeah. But, like, I see the change. So, like, in a way, like, I don't—I should say I embrace it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Rather than fight it. What's it like being, like, a—I mean, obviously I know what it's like, but just for, like, for other people that are listening, like, what's it like having, you know, coming up on—you have four years clean? Mm -hmm. No, going. Um, I have four years in November. Okay, so what's it like, you know, being clean three and a half years, almost four years, you know, just living your life and meeting people that aren't in recovery that like might think like it's crazy that like you don't drink or anything like that or like smoke weed. Yo, so I'm gonna be honest, man. Like majority of the people that I meet that aren't in the program be like, hey, you smoke weed? Be like, nah, man, I've smoked weed my whole life for the past three years. I don't smoke weed because I choose not to. Mm -hmm. You know, if I feel like I'm a better person without it. Me smoking weed, you wouldn't like me. Like, you don't drink either? Nah, man, I don't drink either. Drinking leads me to doing other things, such as shooting <laughs> crack, possibly stealing all your money or robbing you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, like, I'll explain to them, like, hey, man, that's just a boundary. It's just something I don't cross. I don't want to step back into, you know, the old me. Like, I like the person that I'm becoming, mm -hmm. you know. And I'm not scared. 
I know it's like we put the 12-step program as an anonymous program, but if it's to set in a boundary so somebody will understand that this is detrimental to my life yeah. and it's a disease, you know what I mean? Like, I'll take the time to sit them down and let them know so they'll understand the type of person that I'm trying to become mm-hmm. where I was to where I am now and why I will never want to do a drug again. For sure. And, like, that boundary setting is the key to preventing a relapse. Right. Because if you let that shit slide and you don't really set that boundary, it's easy to, like, have those reservations, you know? Yeah, I mean, it talks about our reservations and our steps. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, for me, I know what I did was, uh, yo, I had to set boundaries with my family. And thank God, like, you know, their understanding of my boundaries. Yeah. Like, at first it was like, you know, ha-ha, Joe. And I'm like, yo, it's really not. Like, you know, do you want the guy that I'm becoming or the piece of shit that I was? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, shit, that's an easy decision. Cool, we want the new you. Yeah. Let's keep that guy going. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's not. And a lot of times it takes consistency for people to respect it. You right. Know? Like, when you tell people, like, you're starting a diet and you've been fat your whole life, right. people think it's a joke. It's a joke, yeah. You know? And, like, it takes consistency for people to be like, damn, this person ain't backing down. And then two years later, they're, like, asking you for workout advice. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? Real so talk. it's, like, the same thing, you know? Like, I always compare recovery to working out. You know, it's the same type of thing where, like, in the beginning, and it talks about a literature. The commitment, right? You got to have a commitment. You got to follow through with it. Mm-hmm. And it talks about people are going to be skeptical. Yeah. You can't think that people aren't going to be skeptical. Your parents aren't going to believe in you the whole time. Your friends and family aren't going to be supportive the whole time. And it's totally fine because I had no problem smoking crack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no one supported that yeah, shit. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't need approval to go and get high. Why would I need approval to stay clean? My sponsor really helped me with that, where, like, whenever I was seeking approval from my family or from outside things, he'd be like, you don't need permission from nobody to do what you want to do. If you want to stay clean, you're going to make it happen. Doesn't matter who thinks it's real, who doesn't believe in you, who ins- who supports you. Yo, the hardest thing that I've dealt with since I've been clean, though, I would say is with my children's mom, Mm -hmm. like setting boundaries with them, having to talk to them like, hey, I need to do this. I need to do that. You know what I mean? And like them bringing up the old me to, you know, me not responding to it and just walking through like the motions of, you know, hey, you did this. And I'm like, you know, I just have to let it go and just continue to be a better person and now it's to the point where I just do the next right thing, the next right thing, the next right thing. I don't get that anymore. Like, I yeah. get the, uh, oh, hey, like, um, what are you doing this weekend? Are you, um, I know it's not your week to have your son or your daughter, but they want to come over anyways. You know what I mean? And, like, learning how to co-parent, yo, that shit was rough. Yeah. You know what I mean? But those are things that all work themselves out from just fucking staying clean. Like, I wasn't able to say two words to, like, my baby's mother without getting into an argument. There was no healthy conversations at all, you know? So now even those things have changed in my life through staying clean. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yo. And what I always tell people is, like, bro, your family needs recovering from you. Mm-hmm. You don't think they got trauma? Yeah, they all hugged you. Them. Don't, yeah, yeah, exactly, bro. It's like, bro, you don't you don't think that they're resentful? You think their resentment went away because you got clean? You don't Not think they, they fucking think about all the shit you did for years? And that, you know, when you get into an argument that it comes back? Like, dude, your family is going through their own process of recovery just like you are. And it'd be insane to think that after six months or a year or sometimes even years go by that there ain't going to be no issues going on 
when you've fucked it up for years? Yo, I'm like, like right now, I could say like, yo, I'm in a relationship, just starting to learn how to embrace it, just starting to learn how to communicate everything. Because mm-hmm. like, I've never had a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So now that's like new for me in recovery. Yeah, you know dude, I mean? dating was crazy when yeah. I first started. <laughs> I remember I dated this girl for like months and it was like my first real relationship. And I remember she was like, when are we going to hang out during the day? <laughs> I was like, what would we possibly do during the day? Really <laughs> like, I, had, I had never hung out with her during the day. Like, it just wasn't a thing. Like, all I knew was, like, Netflix and chill. Like, yeah. that's, that was it. Like, you want to come over? It's 930. You know what I mean? Like, that's all I knew. I didn't know. Like, she was like, can we go to the zoo? I was like, the zoo? The fuck? Like, I had never gone to the zoo. I had never, like, done any outside, like, the beach. Like, I never did anything during the day with somebody as an activity with someone, you know? Right. And the thing is, I didn't do the things by myself. How am I supposed to do that with someone else? And, like, in recovery, like, we totally get lost in um, who we used to be, you know? Because sometimes we can have two years clean, three years clean, and still do some dope fiend shit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For me, man, like, I used to, you know, push away, like, um, you know, they say all men have masculinity and femininity, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of men, I feel like, are scared to show their femininity, you know what I mean? And, like, what I try to do now is I try to, like, just embrace those things, you know what I mean? Like, corny as it is, my girl would be like, oh, let's go get our feet done. I'm like, God. you know what, come on, let's go get our feet done. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, let's go get a massage. Come on, let's go get a massage. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, just the little things, you know, like... It's tough, but like it's a process on learning as you go, you know. Even just socialize. I remember when I first got clean, I wrote about this on Instagram the other day. Like, uh, I remember we used to all go to this pool hall and play pool. And, like, that was cool. But they'd also do karaoke. And I remember thinking, like, bro, karaoke is whack. I ain't doing no karaoke. <laughs> bro, it was the funniest thing we ever did. It was, yeah. like, the whole uh, PM Recovery would show up at this karaoke pool hall place. And we would all do karaoke. I remember the first time I had, like probably like a year clean and these girls were like it was like these two girls and they're both really cute and there was like some other girls it was like two guys and they're like oh you guys want to come over and i was thinking like yeah like we're gonna have fun or whatever you know and when we go over there turns out the two cute girls are lesbians and they're in a relationship like so all right so i'm about to go home like what are we doing here you know they were like, we're going to play Cranium. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, we're going to play some board game. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, I'm too grown to be playing board games. And, bro, it was so fun. We played yeah. that shit, like, every weekend for months, you right. know? And it's like, bro, I found the joys and, like, the simple things in life. And I learned that it wasn't what we were doing. It's who I was doing it with. Exactly. So, like, my whole life, it was the opposite. It was like, what are we doing? I got to be doing something fun and something cool and, like, probably drug-related. I don't care who it was with. I'd be with like someone with one tooth. You know, I don't care who I'm with. It could be someone I hated. But as long as we were doing what I wanted to be doing, it was fine. Now it's like, bro, as long as I'm with good people, bro, we can have fun doing anything. We will find something fun to do. Like, I don't care really what we're doing. It's who I'm doing it with. And I found the emphasis more on the people and the connection I was building with the people that I was with. And that were these good people that had good energy, that were positive, that were going to help me in my recovery. You are who you chill with. 1,000%. 1,000%. Clear talk. Mom always used to tell me that all the time. <laughs> I know, bro. Everything I learned in recovery, my mom taught me in kindergarten. Yo, like, you see, for me, like, I had these parents who, like, they had principles in their life. And mm-hmm. those are the principles that 
I'm learning now that was already instilled in me, but I just never embraced them, mm-hmm. right? And or I should say, I never grasped them, and now I'm beginning to. One thousand percent. That shit's opening a whole new chapter, man. I'm just, yo, know, I'm just excited for the future. Something mm-hmm. I can never say that I was before. Think about this, bro. Imagine where you're gonna be when you have six years clean, eight years clean. You know, like you can already see. So I just want to thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you. you. took time on a Sunday to come meet me. Any day. Hell has an exit. That's what we do. <laughs> thank you, bro. <laughs> appreciate it. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 888 699 9395 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.